Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. How's everybody? We're doing okay? <laughs> You're here? There you go. Well, uh, celebration of men day today. Uh, on your way out, as you heard, gentlemen, you'll be uh, getting a little mustard container, a gourmet mustard. Somebody goes, what's that? What's, what's going on? It's gourmet mustard. It's absolutely fabulous. So um, if you're having steak or any other type of uh, something that you need, a wonderful condiment, there it is. So gentlemen, we'll have a table set up and you can just help yourself on that. We're taking a bit of a break uh, today from just walking through the book of Mark. Uh, we have a special speaker. I'll be picking it up next week uh, where we're sort of stopped today. It's uh, somebody that's always uh, with me, alongside me in what we do and where we go. Obviously, it's my wife, Sharon. And uh, I had asked Sharon if she would speak today, of all things, on Father's Day. Everybody has a story, and Sharon has a story, and we'll share with you this very shortly. She is also on our staff as our resident therapist uh, here. If uh, um, You're fairly busy, I have to admit. Um, not only is she a full-time mom and wife and pastor's wife and teacher and psychotherapist, she also has her own little side business of music lessons. So she's a little busy um, and is able to keep it and pull it all together. She served alongside me here for 18 years. Uh, some of you know her, some of you don't. She has graduated with her marriage and family, uh, Masters of Marriage and Family Therapy uh, degree from the University of Winnipeg. It's been about a 10-year process to get that thing finally done and under her belt, and is currently just doing what she loves. And I thought it would be very appropriate for her to come and to share some of her story um, in particular as it relates to this day. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my wife, Sharon. Thanks. Well, I do have to say, having walked with Jerry for the last, um, how many years have we been here? 18? But we've been married for, since 1988. 34 years. And in that time, I have to say, we've been at uh, three churches, actually. And uh, we went from Calvary Temple to Victoria, BC. We were at Glad Tidings, came back to Calvary Temple, and then started Seoul. And it's been a journey to walk this with Jerry, I'll tell you. Um, there have been super big highs, and there have been lows. And through the journey, I have to say that the Lord has been just so faithful, and I'm so grateful uh, for this community. And uh, I know that this is not something that Jerry gives to everybody, so I count it a privilege today that you trust me with this today. I'm excited to be able to share with you, especially since it's Father's Day. And last week, Pastor Jerry asked us, how is your heart? And today we celebrate men, and I know that it's Father's Day but as I reflected on this day, I realized that for some of us, it's a very celebratory day. But for some of us, it's a day filled with pain. Have you ever had an experience that totally changed your life? I want to begin today by sharing one that changed mine in just a couple of hours. You see, a couple months ago, I woke up to a text message telling me to go to the hospital as my dad was not feeling well. 
and he had been transported to the Grace Hospital. His doctors felt that he needed medical attention immediately. And to my surprise, I actually didn't feel any worry or any anxiety about this. You see, I've been at the hospital numerous times before with my dad. And I actually had said goodbye to him on many occasions, only to find that I would go back to the hospital the next day and he would look at us and go, what happened? At that time, I realized that despite all his health issues, the Lord had blessed his life and continued to let us have him in our lives. And I believe today that that is because of his prayers for, him, for us as his family. Well, this past February the 6th, on a Sunday afternoon, I went to the hospital thinking that I would be met with the same scenario that would played out many, many times before. But this time it looked a little different. You see, my dad was on a ventilator, and the doctors told us that he wouldn't be able to live without one. I sat outside the emergency room, that area, as I couldn't get in to touch him and to see him, but I knew he saw me, and I knew that he was actually pretty upset that I couldn't come in and, and just be with him. But I looked at him, and I thought about the times that he had been with me when I was in the emergency room. I thought about he, how he must be feeling knowing that this could be the end of his life. I wondered if his money, his career, his houses, or his relationships mattered at that particular moment. I thought about what his legacy would be, how he would want to be remembered. That evening, my dad passed away. And just before, Jerry, my husband, because I also have a brother, Jerry, and I also have a brother-in-law, Gary. So this was my husband, Jerry, thought it would be great to have his grandkids talk to him as he entered into heaven. Within 10 minutes, my husband had his, my dad's kids and grandkids on the phone. And one by one, they told Gramps how much he meant to them as my dad entered into heaven's gates. At the end of that call, I remember them singing a hymn together on Zoom. And there was not a dry eye. As I said goodbye to my dad that day, I thought about a number of things that he had done for me over the years. Things like putting ointment on my scrapes and bruises when I had hurt myself. Holding my hand when I was scared to venture out. Encouraging me to marry Jerry. And reminding me that it was not a good plan to continue to have two boyfriends at one time if I wanted to keep Jerry. <laughs> Including Jerry's parents in our family events and being good friends with them as he saw this as a positive influence on his grandchildren. Reminding me that if I chose pastoring alongside Jerry for my life, the Lord would take care of all my needs. Encouraging me to learn and to go to university, even when I did it again in my mid-40s. Praying for me when I felt discouraged. Reminding me to tell the important people in my life, I love you at the end of every conversation. <laughs> Reminding me that anything is possible if I have faith. And that if things don't work out the way that I planned, not to become bitter. Reminding me that anything is possible if I have faith. 
demonstrating to me how to make people feel important when they're in your presence. Reminding me how blessed I am to have four boys who love the Lord and have made good life decisions and to cherish the love my kids have for each other and for us as parents. Finally, my dad reminded me to continually pray for my family, friends, church, and neighbors. He often told me, my great-grandchildren may never know my name, but they will feel my prayers. A couple days after my dad died, I packed up his things at Meadowood Manor, where he had been living for the past couple of years. As I began to read his journals, I saw a glimpse of many memories and stories from his life. So much of him was in everything that I touched, and I cried as I picked up his things and I felt him nearby. I held things that he cherished, and some even smelled like him. It made me think of how, growing up, I was so proud of my dad and how he took great care of himself, and he was such a presence in any room. For a moment, I wish that he was still in that room at Meadowood Manor. As I closed my eyes, and I imagined and I pretended. You see, he didn't leave much as far as belongings. But when my dad went to his eternal home, he left me here on earth. So maybe you're here today. And you can't relate to this story. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I could never sing my dad into heaven or feel blessed to have him in my life. I want you to know that no matter how different your story is from the one I just described, no matter how much you've been hurt or rejected, you actually have a father who's interested in every part of your life. He understands you. He sympathizes with you. He hears you. He walks with you when you feel alone. And he wants you to know that you've been adopted by him. No matter how hard it is for you to think of a father as being kind and loving, that is what Jesus is. And he invites you into his family. He wants you to know that even if your earthly father mistreated you, he loves you. And he wants to invite you into relationship with him. I often tell couples when they come into a new relationship that sometimes there's actually three people instead of two in that relationship. So let me explain. It's so easy to come out of a separation or a divorce, fall in love again, and bring all of the hurts and the mistrust of the old relationship into the new one. That's when there are actually three people in the relationship, not two. With the person from the previous relations, relationship's influence on the newly formed family. Many times this also happens when we have hurts from our family of origin. It's easy to take the hurts from our biological fathers and integrate them into our newly formed families. And this is why healing is so important. How do we heal and realize that for those of us that have not grown up with great examples of a, what a father should look like, that we are adopted 
by our Heavenly Father, whose love is unconditional. This morning, I want to share with you four things that are backed up scripturally and confirm that you have a Heavenly Father whose love is continually demonstrated. One of the first verses I remember learning as a little kid in Sunday school was in John 3.16, where it tells us that God's love is actually, it's sacrificial. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his own, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Lord has adopted us into his great family. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to die, to have to die, so that you and I, as his kids, could have eternal life? This wouldn't have been an easy decision. And yet Jesus knew that this is what his father asked him to do, so that you and I could have eternal life. How much more do we need to realize that he loves us enough and that he would do anything for us? I love this verse, and it's found in 1 John 3, 1, where it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The Bible also tells us that he leaves the 99 to look for the one. In Matthew 18, 12 to 14, it states, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. To think that the Lord loves each one of us like we're his only children— it's estimated that there are about 8 billion people in the world, and roughly one-third would say they're Christians. How they live out their faith may be a question, but I, oh my word, that's a lot of kids. And to think that he's so concerned about every little part of our lives. So much so that the Bible says in Matthew 10:30, and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. I remember going through a time where one of our sons, James, had a medical concern, and it was called an osteochondroma. And it's really hard for me to explain that, but I can tell you that we have two bones, and this one was fusing into a ball. And we had to take him to Minneapolis once a month. Jerry did that trip for once, once a month, and every week we had to get x-rays for him. And we went down there in order to get a doctor that was capable to take care of his health concern. I remember Winnipeg doctors telling us that you better get him down there because when he's a teenager, he will not be able to use his right arm. I recall how Jerry and I went into overdrive as we got people to pray. We got every resource that was possibly available to help our son. All our energies went into taking care of him. And sometimes I wonder if that we were so preoccupied with him that we forgot about our other kids. And that's why you have parents, because our grandparents would sometimes say, you have other children. Honestly, though, it didn't matter as we were so preoccupied with James that he needed the most of us from us at that time. If you're a dad here today, 
You probably have your own story. I wonder what lengths you have gone through or would go through to protect your child, to ensure that they are okay. In the moment, I wonder if it matters how big your family is. I would think that as a dad, you would be totally concerned about the child that needs you in that moment. And so, in the same way, our Heavenly Father is preoccupied with us as his kids and therefore treats us like we are his only child. The Bible also tells us that the Lord gives us good gifts. In Matthew 7, 9-11, it says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He knows what we need before we ask. I'm not talking about a new car or a new house. But I, rather, I'm asking him to transform and renew our minds so we can understand his will for our lives. I, I really value wisdom from the Lord. Because I think when I die, I'm not going to be talking about what I accomplished in life with money or with education. But rather, I'm going to be thinking about what kind of legacy I left for my children, my grandchildren, my church, my family, my friends, and my students, as far as heaven is concerned. I want to say, if you're here today, and maybe a bit discouraged about some of the choices your children are or have been making, I believe that every prayer that you are praying to the Lord, it's stored. And each one counts towards eternity. Let me say that if you're here today praying for one of your kids, don't stop. Pray with anticipation. Because I'm a firm believer that your prayers are collected with our Father in heaven. And they're never forgotten. And keep in mind that we don't have to pray in any certain way. Matthew 6, 7 to 8, it reminds us that when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Listen to that again. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. I don't know about you, but I've had many times when I sat in my car and I was so broken and I didn't have any words to speak. In my despair, my faith sustained me. And I knew that the Lord heard me, even though my presentation was anything but eloquent. To this day, I believe he knows what we need before we ever speak. Finally, he gives us his spirit. In Romans 8, 15 to 16, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
Slaves often live their lives in fear of their masters. This is not the relationship that the Lord describes here. Rather, he's reassuring us that we are his sons and daughters, adopted as his children. With this, we're able to access him without having to go through any loopholes or other people to be in connection with him. So let's remember, the Lord's love is sacrificial. He leaves the 99 to take care of the one. He gives us good gifts and knows what we need before we ever ask. He gives us his spirit so that you and I have direct access to him. As we close today, I want to share some words of what I consider wisdom from my dad's journal. And I found it under the caption, remember. So I took it like, remember, Sharon. And I carry these words with me every day. I shared this at my dad's funeral in February. And it, the day after, I, I had an email from somebody who said, could you send that list to me so I can forward it to somebody who's asked for it? I just found out two weeks ago that it was a father that was terminally ill that had asked for this list because he said he wanted to give it to his children before he died. And so maybe today you're here and you're like, I need to be encouraged. Maybe this is something that you need to hear. My dad said, seek and love the Lord every day. Continue to make Christ your mediator, for he has never lost a case. Even if you feel that he has. You're genuinely old, if you feel old or if you'd rather talk than listen. Remember, youth looks ahead. Old age looks back, and middle age looks tired. Learn to enjoy the little things that God has made, because there are so many of them. Remember, God is with us in the darkness, just as surely as he is with us in the light. Remember, it's easier to argue about the Bible than obey it. Whatever fills you, controls you. Remember, it's better to go to heaven alone than to go to hell in company. It is sweet to grow old in the fear of the Lord. So back to the question that Jerry asked last week. How's your heart today? Is life going great? Are you living in a place of gratitude for the example you had or you have as a father? Or are you feeling that your father hurt or mistreated you? Maybe today, for whatever reason, you're feeling alone. Maybe you're here and you feel like you deserve an apology from your father 
However, you know you may never hear it. You know, I learned a long time ago that hurt people hurt people. I've come to the conclusion that people that have hurt me may never apologize. And therefore, I need to go on with my life. And with process, I need to accept this. I often wonder why I would let people that hurt me affect how I treat others, especially my family. You know what? These people don't deserve that kind of power in my life. I want you to know that none of us have arrived. And today I would like you to listen to the song that the worship group sang before before we were dismissed for coffee. You see, my dad listened to this song many times at Meadowood Manor, and it's special to me because he would listen to Jess sing it. He'd say, let's go on YouTube. Can you find that song again? I want to hear it again. Because he said, this is my prayer for you. It was a song that all his grandkids sang at the conclusion of his funeral last February. And maybe today you need to hear these words again. As you remember that your heavenly father is waiting with open arms for you to run into them. He wants to bless you and give you peace. He wants you to learn to trust him with your life, your marriage, your children, your finances, and anything else that consumes your thoughts. How's your heart? Will it affect the legacy you will leave for your family? At the end of your life, will your kids remember that you worked a lot? That you spent a lot of time taking them to sports events? Or will they know that you prioritize things in their lives like church? So they had a praying community surrounding them when life got tough. Will they remember how you led your family by demonstrating the ways of the Lord? Or how you prioritized your relationship with Jesus before anything else? This morning, can I just ask you to bow your heads with me? Just close your eyes this morning and you might be here and you might be saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for an earthly father who demonstrated the love of our heavenly father to me. Or maybe you're here thinking, I want to do this better. I don't want to carry my broken past with me. Maybe you had a great childhood, but are challenged this morning with what you prioritize with your family. Either way, if you relate to any part of what was said this morning and felt, feel you need prayer, can I just ask you to just quietly and privately just slip up your hand while our heads are bowed and while you're in your seat where you are. saw every hand that was lifted this morning 
I pray, Jesus, that you would meet every need in this room today. And for those that are online, I just pray for them too today, Lord. I ask you to heal wounds from the past and present. Help us to look forward to a future with you as an example of what a father should look like. Help us to trust you, Lord, and to know that you want to bless us and give us peace in those times when we need to feel your presence around us. Lord, help us to teach our children and future generations what it is like to read your word and to pray. Help us to trust you in the good times and when times are hard. More than anything, Lord, help us realize that you care for us and that you want a relationship with us. This morning, I asked Jesse and the worship group to sing a song, and it's taken directly from scripture. They sang it earlier today, and it's found in number six, and it's a prayer, and it's a blessing for you today. If you know the words, sing along. But I want you to get the message today that the Lord wants to bless you and give you peace. He wants to surround you with his presence and bless your children and future generations that may never know your name, but they will feel your prayers.
your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children. It's a challenge for all of us today to understanding the whole concept of the fatherhood of God. Thank you for being here, gentlemen. At the ages of 16 and up, we have a little gift for you on your way out. Celebrate this day. In ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving blessing did likewise. Coming from Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus 
throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And may our band sing over you as you leave this place today. Be blessed. Encourage somebody on the way out and live the church. See you next week.